Hello, and welcome everyone to a very special episode of the Gaming Duo Podcast. I'm your host for this week, Rob Garcia, and I'm joined by co-host Kelvin Malone and a very special guest, Eddie Gonzalez. Eddie has worked on games like Dauntless and A Shadow of the Tomb Raider as an animator, but his most recent project is his biggest to date. Eddie, can you tell everyone what popular TV show you've been working on? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Eddie Gonzalez, and I am a technical director on Legend of Vox Machina. Legend of Vox Machina. What a title. What a title. I so, my title. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, let's start about that title. Like, how did you get that? I know we're, like, kind of going into the in-game chat section, but, like, how did you end up working, you know, as an animator for, for Vox Machina or a technical director? Yeah, what started your journey? Like, how did that start? Yeah. I mean, um, there's a lot that went into, like, my animation career before this, um, but I was working at another studio, and a friend, this was so out of nowhere, he was freelancing on it, and I don't know if he, I don't think he knew that I liked Critical Role. It really felt so out of nowhere. And he was like, hey, do you want to freelance on the show? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. All right, we'll see. <laughs> like, what? Um, yeah. And I mean, some fast forward there after freelancing with them for a bit, they needed someone who could talk to 3D for them because they're a 2D studio. And they picked me up. And I was like, yeah, come on. Here we are. Yeah. Wow. Well, let me tell you, that show has been getting rave reviews. Myself, I I finished the whole series and I'm craving. I want more. more. I want more. I want more. (laughs) I want more. So good. So So, um, you should be extremely proud of what you did there. Yeah. Because it's it's a hit. Like people love this. But we're going to get into that later for an in-game chat discussion. where We're actually going to dive deep and really get to know Eddie and his journey in, you know, in animation. Um, If you're new to the show, we are the podcast that provides profound and engaging discussions on the latest gaming news every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern time. We're on all streaming platforms, um, so give us a listen if you can. All right, but Kelv and Eddie, we're going to get into the news for the week. (laughs) We had a Hogwarts Legacy State of Play. We had a special edition of a State of Play today dedicated to Hogwarts Legacy, the highly anticipated and long-time rumored Harry Potter game developed by Avalanche Software and Warner Brother Games. So I just took some quick notes here during the State of Play, and then we can kind of talk about it. Um, You take control of a fifth-year student at Hogwarts. It takes place in Hogwarts Castle in the 1800s, so this is uh, before Harry Potter's time. Um, you're going to be sorted into one of the four houses, Gryffindor, Hucklepuff, Ravenclaw, Slytherin. Uh, you attend classes such as potions, herbology, and alchemy. You'll be able to ride on a broomstick and traverse the areas surrounding the castle. That's that's crazy. I, I never thought I'd see the day where you just like, run. like, that's so weird to be like being in an open world. You're going to be able to freaking fly on a broomstick. Oh, I, I thought that's crazy. That's great. Um, combat is range, and you'll be able to chain spells together as if they were combos. We had over 14 minutes of gameplay captured on the PS5. Guys, what did you think of the state of play? Let's start with Kelvin first. Uh, full disclosure, I am not a huge Harry Potter fan. I don't no. know shit about no. Harry Potter. <laughs> but, but this really got me. Like I wow. was watching this and I was literally, my jaw was on the floor. I'm like, okay, this looks really, first of all, 
it looked gorgeous, right? Like the, the animations, the graphics, it looked beautiful, uh, very vibrant, just something that I would def definitely want to play. Um, that, that captured my attention at least. Um, and then when they started going into like the real nitty gritties of like Harry Potter and, and Hogwarts and all that stuff, like I wasn't clueless, but I was still interested at the same time. Like, okay, I, I kind of get what they're talking about. And, and the fact that you can customize and, and build potions and, and kind of be in a, in a sorted, in a sorted class, like that's pretty cool. And I think they're diving really deep into the RPG elements of this, which I'm all for. So I can, I mean, it, it's, it looks massive. Like it looks like a real massive game, at least based off of what we've seen, not just being in Hogwarts, you're also, or in the castle, right? You're also in other towns. You can go to different towns. You can, like you were saying, ride on a broomstick, like, which is pretty dope in itself, right? Like, so I think there's a lot to this game. And I think they just gave us just a little glimpse of what they're actually showing. Uh, and just to add too, it's coming out late, later this year. Which yeah. is pretty wild. Holiday twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. So Eddie, what did you think of the the state of play? Are you are you first of all, are you a Harry Potter fan? Yeah, I'm actually a pretty big Harry Potter fan. This is actually just random. My daughter just happened to find my wand and put it here. This is my Harry <laughs> Potter wand. <laughs> well he's ready. He's ready. Yeah. <laughs> so this was right up your alley. This was yeah. right up your alley. Okay. Yeah. Um I'll start off by saying that I can be quite cynical when it comes to games because when I when I play a game I don't want to see the treadmill. I don't want to see you put me in and just move me through the motions of just like, um, this is the gear treadmill, this is the level up, and then complete it. Like, I want to experience the world and feel like I'm in it. And if you're going to do Harry Potter, then I'm going to be quite critical of that. And that being said, I'm, I was very surprised with this. I think I saw the trailer, was it like last year or something? Or the year before that it came out? Yeah. It was E3 or something like that, I want to say, that they yeah, showed I that trailer. Yeah, I want to say it was last year, yeah. yeah. I felt like it was, a, I can't remember correctly, but I feel like it was small enough for me to go, mm, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, I also had never heard of the studio who worked on it beforehand. So nothing was really like shooting uh, signals at me to be like, this is going to be great. Um, so when I sat through that, I was more and more surprised as the video went under very very deep systems that i was like surprised right. by it didn't necessarily have to do but it's there um i i'm super optimistic about it now after seeing the video uh yeah i, I think that's pretty much it i i think i'll be critical of what they include and what they cut out um because if you're going to do the harry potter experience as a new student i didn't i don't think i saw any diagon alley i think i hope that we get to experience that i didn't movie. see it either on the on the trailer or the gameplay yeah. they were showing um but it did look like there's a lot to do in that world and i'm a i would say i'm a fair weather mm. harry potter fan like i'm not like crazy about harry potter but i i love the lore that goes yeah. into it mm. and i think they did it justice because i'm like i'm itching i'm like i, I yeah. don't want to be in that world <laughs> i want to yeah. check this out <laughs> um, yeah i think it's it, for me i'm kind of more into this atmosphere right now because i'm still in elden ring right this like dark fantasy type of world this mm -hmm. kind of kind of transitions over to that fantasy element as well and i'm like mm -hmm. all right i'm all about this like dragons cool spells cool like let's go like that's that's kind of like where i'm at right now with this yeah and i like it that it's just not combat right it's not just like go it's like not you're gonna exactly. learn how to like uh progress through like doing potions you gotta attend mm -hmm. classes and there's puzzles yes which i think is so sick mm -hmm. Now, uh, yeah. you, sorry, I was gonna say, do you think there's gonna be Quidditch? Uh, I think like that's one of the things that I think they have to include that we may not have seen. 
you got to give us some taste of it. But then also, like, I don't want to, now that I like the trailer, go, okay, now it has to have this, it has to have that, it has to have that. But I feel yeah. like the things I want to see would, would be diagonally Quidditch. And um, if there will be areas to explore that the movies did, like, can we go into the Black Lake? Um, how much of the of the Dark Forest can we go into? Is it going to be, like, loading screen, just a section? Or, you know, i, I got to keep my, my hopes unleash yeah exactly keep your expectations in check for for this game now this is really um they give you this character that you're you're kind of molding to be your own right yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know how much story is this going to really pertain to or or how much story are they going to really dive into in this game like is it going to be a full-fledged like story mode something like that or is it going to be kind of more of a open world kind of do your own thing type of elden ring style sort of ask you know i'm getting hints of story um because of the cinematics i was seeing and i think where i was going to go with that would be is this going to be replayable with different avenues like is this mm-hmm. going to be like a honor system of like if you're a bad wizard or are you a good wizard is that going to dictate mm-hmm. the story because you yeah. they let you pick your house and so like are they, so is that going to matter do you get to pick the house or are you randomly put in the house so they didn't go through that. They no, said that they you will be sorted into yeah. a house, but it didn't mm-hmm. say if you can choose or not. Yeah. And I think that would be really cool if you could choose, but you yeah. also get a random option of just like pick yeah. for me based yeah. on these criteria I put in here. Like what what is uh, – how do you feel about this? Uh, how do you feel about talking to people in public? Like kind of like those assessments that you yeah. take, but like for, in the game, and then they will put you in a house based on what you picked. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the Pottermore system has the whole like sorting, and I think it does a pretty fun job of it not being too obvious of where you'll go. Um, but I know in the movies they do have that little tidbit that the hat does let you choose ultimately if you want to. So if it like goes through all the questions and it goes, okay, we know where you're going to go. Do you have a, like a say on where you want to go though? Then that could be fun. Uh, speaking of the 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 houses. If you get to, like, what house do you want to go to, Eddie? Me, I'm a Ravenclaw. I mean, you're, you're Ravenclaw? My partner says I'm a Hufflepuff through and through, but I'll fight for the Ravenclaw. I'll tell the hat put me in Ravenclaw before it puts me in Hufflepuff. Uh, all right, uh, Kel, what about too, you? Will it take too much time to explain what each, like, house is? Because I have no idea what any of these are. It's You kind of have to know, you kind of have to read the books and know the yeah. lore yeah. to understand, like, gotcha, uh, gotcha. the, the book. It's very easy to um, be a bit dismissive about what the house is if you try to summarize it. Mm. So there, there's more traits to it rather than just Slytherin evil and Gryffindor good. Um, right, right. But Gryffindor yeah. sounds like the bad guy, like that. No, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I'm thinking I'm going Gryffindor. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if I've heard any uh, heroes called Slytherin and go, yeah, I'm a Slytherin guy. <laughs> well, so based going back to the trailer that we saw, we did see a lot of elements in the game that they were they were throwing a lot of things at you right as far as like customizing potions customizing character um they even showed elements of like dark cloud as things where you can build your own house or build your own place or uh, like build your own town sort of um i'm a little worried if they're going in with too many ideas and not mm-hmm. kind of um building on those or elaborating on those ideas you know like kind of giving us a glimpse of things but not really putting all their eggs in one basket type of thing does that make sense? Yeah, um, I think uh, coming from my opinion, 
it would depend on how they do it too because like where do, where are they going to put all this stuff because everyone has a good visual of what's where in hogwarts at this point the ip's right. been around for so long so like if they put it in the room of requirement i don't know if that'll be your place where it'll be everything you need um mm. which could feel weird using the room of requirement as a regular hub because it felt special and unique mm. but yeah i can sort of see a system being bloated into there where it's just like shoved hurry hurry everything game right. design related just shove it exactly yeah that's what i'm that's what i at least that's what i kind of caught when i'm watching this i'm like all right it's great cool stuff but like you have like your open world element you have like your building block elements you have like your uh, spells elements like when will it be too much you're like all right now you're doing too many things and now i'm just like you're not building or adapting to what you're like there's not one good thing that you're good at if that makes sense yeah i can see that being a worry yeah i i'm interested to see as far as like the boss fights are there, are there going to be boss fights there yeah, yeah. Is there going to be anything like that also the last harry potter game i played and i think i don't think kelvin you played it because you're not a harry potter fan but do you remember the harry potter game for the playstation the really really old one where you were actually harry potter and you like went through the basically the movie but it was it was the game did you, do you remember that game? I remember of it, but I never played it myself. So I remember that game being really good. For what it was, it was solid. And it kind of had elements like this. But the obviously Harry Potter such, and the Sorcerer's Stone. I think that was it, yes, yeah. and But it was, it was on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And if they just blow that up, I think it's going to be a freaking hit. Yeah, we'll have to see what they do. I mean, we still don't know much about it. Like, this is our first real glimpse at the game. Mm-hmm. But from what, they, what they've what they shown, they showed a lot. And they showed mostly generally positive things from what I've seen. So yeah. I think if they continue trickling in some information and giving us um, the things that players and not just players, but like fans want to see in this, I think it, it, it'd be successful. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think just this, this state of play alone just made the hype level for this game astronomical compared to what it was. So yeah. I think everyone everyone's very excited to see what's what's the future. Um, but before we leave this topic, guys, um, with JK's Rowling's recent accusations of transphobia, many fans are hesitant to purchase this game. Will JK Rowling's behavior deter you from deter you away from buying this game given her involvement? Um, we'll start with Eddie. Um. Well, I already have very limited time as like a parent, and I also work in California hours while living on the East Coast. So my free hours are quite limiting. I, I'm just going to be at the place of just seeing how everyone else is receiving it to see if it's even worth trying to invest some of that time into it. Um, I don't know, because there's also like, you're at, you're at a moral crossroads where you're wondering how much of this is going to go to her and support her um, and the other side is um, the game was made by artists and a company right. that do you want to support? Right, um, exactly. So, yeah, I think it, it, I'll see how the game turns out. I'll see how people are receiving it at that time. Um, if she speaks on it in between now and then as well. Um, if the studio speaks on her involvement, because that that's a rocky road on whether or not they want to speak on we're not associated with that or anything like that. And the only reason why we're bringing this up too is because we know with 
these developers, when stuff like this happens, where there's kind of like this person said this, it always comes back in some way or another, right? Oh, look yeah, at, look, look yeah. at Blizzard, right? The whole shabam they're going through. Yeah. Um, so like this definitely is something they might want to speak out about because mm-hmm. again, it might rear Ted later during the line where say it is a very successful game and then something pops up in there and they're like, people are like, what, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, how could you have agreed to that? You know, one of those yeah. things. Um, Speaking but- to that, that Blizzard perspective, I have artists who work there and I know like just from firsthand experience talking to them, how it can suck to be an artist on those projects. And you're really proud of what you did, but there's just a lot of like bad PR that's happening to your product. Right. And so there's, I, I think I side more with the artists where we don't always get to choose our jobs. Life just kind of places what's in front of us and hope people like what we create. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that you said that because I, I'm on the fence of it's honestly dependent on what you believe in. I mean, I think, yeah, what JK Rowling, like her perspective on things are, are different than ours. But at the same time, like you said, developers are working on this title and they are not associated at all with JK, right? Exactly. And so what what, what are you really compromising as far as like purchasing this game right like she she has her revenue she has her money you're also supporting these developers and you have to understand that as well like if you don't buy these games if you don't support them they don't have jobs or they might lose their jobs and then you know it's just it's it's a whole cosmic like it just keeps going from there you know what i mean so it's such a misbag but i don't think there's a right or wrong answer either like if you do feel strongly about this and you don't want to support her then by all means don't buy the game you know Mm -hmm. but if you do want to support the developers and the people that the artists that have worked so hard in countless years, I'm sure have put been put into this game, yeah. then by all means purchase this game and enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Kelvin, very well said. Let's uh but yeah, this Harry Potter game's coming out. Not Harry Potter, sorry. Uh Legacy of Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. It's coming yeah. out uh late twenty twenty two. And uh yeah, we're gonna move on to the next news piece. Elden Ring sales demolish worldwide worldwide sales expectations. Plus, patch 1.03 is out. Elden Ring has sold, sold. Like <laughs> I see that. what you did. <laughs> <laughs> like that? Great, great. I'm looking at. It, I'm like, that's spelled wrong. Uh, Not that dumb, Rob. Right? Nah, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> Um, yeah, because you're usually the, the one that's like nitpicky about the, the grammar yeah. and stuff like that. It's also like, no, he didn't do that. But <laughs> nice. They have sold an astonishing 12 million copies worldwide within the first two weeks. Two weeks. $720 million in revenue. That translates to. So just to put that into perspective, guys. Demon Souls sold 1.4 million copies. Bloodborne, 2 million copies. These are lifetime sales, by the way, for these games. Sekiro, 5 million copies. Dark Souls, 5.5 million copies. Dark Souls 2, 2.5 million copies. And Dark Souls 3, 10 million copies. And Remaster was 9 million copies. So in total, all of the Soul games have 27 million copies combined. Elden Ring has sold almost half of what the Soul series sold in two weeks. So before I talk about the patch notes, let's talk about that. How insane are those numbers? Let's start with Kelvin. Dude, 
that is astronomical. Like, how does a Souls game, a, a game that is mostly mostly acquired by gamers that like the hard i mean you know quote-unquote hardcore gamers right how is it selling so much and i think this just shows what from software can do and how good this game is i mean just from the beat the first week of elderman coming out you can already see all of social media just like booming right everything talking about eldering left and right that's all you hear from social media at this point and it just kind of brought everyone kind of together sort of in a way because everyone just playing this game and the way the game is built kind of makes it so that you have these conversations and and kind mm -hmm. of um you know just kind of get ideas off of each other and things like that so this is hat, hats off to them like this is this is great i love it i i i'm I, i'm surprised that this happened i did not expect elden ring to be to sell 12 million copies i would expect maybe six seven million copies right but to sell 12 million copies, like that is insane. That's insane. What about you, Eddie? What do you, what do you think of this number? <laughs> well, Eddie, uh, are you are you a, like a Souls fan at all? Or what's, uh, no, what's your history? Uh, I think I would state my experience with their franchise as like more of a spectator. Mm. Okay. Um, I think uh, I've seen a bit of like Dark Souls more from just friends like talking about boss experiences. And then I think Sekiro was the first situation where I was like, oh, like, I want to watch a full playthrough of this because some of these are interesting. Um, and now we're in this Discord of friends and everyone's streaming, playing it at the same time. So it's more like it's just everywhere. I can't avoid it. And I think that might be why like it's selling so much is everyone seeing everyone play it. I don't know if just right. the exposure is just way higher. Did the older games just seem so... Um, out of reach for people who thought it might have been too hard for them. And the more these things happen, the more people are willing to give it a shot. Um, I don't know. Well, I think it being on PC has a big thing oh. to do with it. Because mm -hmm. if you look at all of these past Soul games, right? You look at Bloodborne, you look at Dark Souls 1, right? You look at Dark Souls 2. Those were only exclusive to consoles at first, right? So it didn't really have the access that... that Elden Ring had right and mm -hmm. now we're kind of like when those games came out streaming was still kind of new mm -hmm. right whereas everyone now streams like yep. it's just a thing it's so easy to stream so now everyone's saying like what are you playing oh I'm playing Elden Ring let me see what it's about and then you get interested just like you said like Eddie like you said in Discord like you're, you're seeing everyone so mm -hmm. I mean I got a buddy to freaking play Elden Ring he was he never touched a Souls game in his life and he was yeah. just like he was like afraid of them right because it's just like they're ridiculously hard and people frustrate and I'm like listen just just do it man like just just take the dive I promise you're, you're it's gonna be all right and he did it he's just mm -hmm. like all right I did it. and guess what an hour later just we're talking about going cool. back and forth about it so I think that's you hit the nail on the head with the whole discord and like the streaming I think yeah. that really really made the game seem like that looks kind of fun oh yeah I'll, I'll try it i'll try it <laughs> you yeah, know it just takes one popular streamer as well you know that they try to stream this game and they're like you want know let me try it and then it just spreads like wildfire too so i think it also has to do with a lot of just knowing that Elden ring is hard but yeah. also the developer giving you these cues prior to release saying like hey we've made systems in this game that make it somewhat accessible for other people to try it out um, um some of the things that they did were just using 
the the ash ashes of war right just to kind of help you out with the situations right in the game um and also just kind of having you as like a having like a, a co-op player as well like we've had that in the, in the past as well but having the npcs help a lot in this game and i think b giving that accessibility to people to players gives them a little bit of an easier way to all right let me try this out i think from what the developer is saying this is a little bit easier than the previous ones maybe this might be the one that gets me and it gets people clearly i also i mean because i i would lean away from the hardcore games myself i'm like no i'm just gonna suck at it while i try it. but i don't know if there's just an atmosphere of that changing as well where it's okay to just try it and just smash your head at it for a while because like, everyone's doing that no one's right. acing it and laughing at you for failing like Except the the speedrunners that are finishing the game in thirty minutes, <laughs> those guys are laughing at you. <laughs> no one's gonna make them happy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I I'm still playing this game. I'm having a blast, and I don't think this the energy has gone away. Like everyone is still, from what I understand and from what I see, everyone's still playing this game, and they're having a a blast. You know, so I'm 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 still like nose deep into this game like i still do not want to stop playing it's it's kind of insane how much from software i think is broken through the masses with with this game because my girlfriend's friend who is not a hard, hardcore gamer is playing this game right now which mm. is wild to me right like you would think like this would no one would ever pick this up because of how hard it is but you have normal like people that are not gamers are just like i'm yeah. gonna try this right so that is that's awesome that you can still make a really hard game and still have people pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the biggest issue that um, from software has now is how do they top Elden Ring? <laughs> because their next game has to be bigger That's, and better, yeah. right? Like I, I just can't imagine them taking two steps back. That's the next problem you want to have, right? Right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I have a I have a question for Kelvin because you haven't played Bloodborne, right? Uh, right, Eddie? No, I've okay. seen Franz play some of it, but that's it. So, uh, Bloodborne is Kelvin's probably in his top ten favorite games of all time. It's oh. definitely his favorite Souls games, next to next to Elden Ring. I'd say they're probably tied right now. At if this not, point, yeah, yeah. Um, if they make a Bloodborne two, but it's not going to be open world like Elden Ring is. Are you still gonna be excited about it, or you need this Bloodborne two to be open world? Like, how do you, how do you feel about that? I would love a Bloodborne Elden Ring game. If you give me Elden Ring with a Bloodborne skin, I'm all for it. I think Elden Ring or Bloodborne's lore is much more my style, right? Like that gothic dark feel to it. But I, I wouldn't be mad if they made part two and it's similar to bloodborne where it's more, it's more linear right linear, so. right i think that'd be fine i'm okay with that i think what i think i'm missing from elden ring and i and i kind of was talking to myself thinking about the game and i'm just like you know what i, I just noticed like elden ring is a fan phenomenal game but what bloodborne did so well was going to different parts of the map and then not being able to get to a certain point and then 10 hours later 11 hours later you're like Oh shit! I'm in the beginning of the map. Like I, this is where I first started, like ten hours ago. Like how did yeah. this circulate me back to the beginning of the game? And I think From Software does a phenomenal job of building their um, their their worlds, their maps, their map layout is is unlike anybody else that does game development. And I think 
Elden Ring has that to some degree because I've heard you, Rob, when we talk and we're playing on PS5, you're you're mentioning like, oh shit, like I was here before or something like that. You know, like I'm thinking that's kind of the same situation that um, I've dealt with in Bloodborne, but I've never had that at least in my playthrough where I'm playing X amount of hours, then I get back to a certain place. So I'm like, oh shit, I'm in the beginning of the map, or oh shit, I've been here before. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, the the map's not connected in Elden Ring like it was in previous Souls game. Like it right. was literally just connected, and this door will lead you to this part. It's it's obviously it's a bigger map, so it's harder to do that. But right, yeah. But I think uh, those moments really make you feel like, oh shit, like that was that's cool. Like that's really, I don't know. It, it just makes you feel like you're in the loop of this world, and it, it's very you just like hats off to the developers for doing that because I feel like that's really hard to do. You know. Basically, Eddie, what we're trying to tell you is go play Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> tell you, man, you're gonna love it. Yeah, it, it's, it's so great. good. It's so good. I mean, looks at it. Um, before we get off this topic, I just want to go through the patch. Uh, it was patch one point oh three. It came out yesterday. Uh, yesterday being Wednesday, right? Um, I'm not gonna read all of the patch notes. Just a few things that they added. Um, they added a function to record an icon and the name of an NPC on the map when you encounter the NPC. So a lot of issues people were having, so they would find an NPC in the overworld, but then they wouldn't know where they would go afterwards because the NPCs tend to move around in the world. So you would have to like go back and forth trying to like find this NPC to complete this quest line. Well, they added the feature where now you can know where their location is. So that, that, that makes it a little, nice. little better. Um, they added a new added a new NPC Jar Baron. I have no idea who it is. I don't even remember. Um, there's new quest phases for for NPCs. Um, they added new night background music for some open field areas. So that's kind of cool. That's cool. Um, there were also some balance changes. So there were some nerfs and buffs. Oh man, the nerfs though they nerfed the uh, the mimic tier, which is Eddie. The mimic I just tier got that. <laughs> <laughs> is a summon but it replicates you like it's basically you summon a copy of yourself mm -hmm. and it copies your stats and the weapons that you have so that mimic tier was overpowered as hell so you would go send it out and it would just tank bosses to the face and you can just like go in and just like attack the bosses while he's focusing on the mimic tier and it would do just as much damage you were doing like it was it's nutty um but they from software decided like mm, that's making the game too easy we're gonna nerf that so they nerfed it Makes sense. Um, and they, they nerfed a bunch of different different uh different weapons too uh, of course they nerfed the weapon that me and kelvin use right now that we main so i i haven't started the game yet since the patch went through so i'm actually really afraid of the game now i don't <laughs> know man. yeah I, I was i was in a comfortable spot where i'm like i'm like level 117 or whatever i'm like my my vigor is like 35 like I'm, I'm like in a nice spot right now strength is good and i'm like blowing past these enemies blowing past these bosses but now after this this update i'm like i don't know man <laughs> i might have to like humble myself real quick before right I play exactly yeah so uh that those are just like some of the patches there some of the patch notes but uh if you guys want to see the actual patch notes it's over on uh the from software website there um yeah any 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 other questions you guys have about you know those numbers or anything else you got to say about it no it's pretty good for them yeah good for them right <laughs> yeah, good for them, man. Yeah. make that money guys yeah. good for you good Honestly, job, this, this is what every artist wants to experience is releasing their product and hearing the praise that's oh, the yeah. best part of being an artist oh yeah they, again, they they knocked out of the park, and I'm so happy for them. I don't care that they delayed this. They could have delayed this thing like eight times, and I and if it would have been this, I would have been like, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, last piece of news for today, guys. It is the apparently Perfect Dark is in development hell. Reports have been in, have been developing that half of the core development team at Xbox's The Initiative Studio, they're the ones working on the Perfect Dark reboot, have quit. That includes most of the senior design team, including director Dan Neumberger. Uh, he worked on Tomb Raider and Rise of Tomb Raider, hey. two games hey. prior to before you were working on. You worked on Shadow of the Tomb Raider, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing of the departures coincides with the September 2021 announcement that Crystal Dynamics has been signed to co-develop Perfect Dark. The main cause of these departures have been due to a lack of creative autonomy and slow development. This suggests that the Tomb Raider developer is taking a much stronger lead than first thought on the project. This was from VGC. So is the Perfect Dark reboot, is it doomed? Is it it destined for failure? I'll start with Eddie. Um, So I have no experience with the franchise, but I can speak to the experience that the company might be going through. Right, because um, did you you worked with Crystal Dynamics, or were you on their team? We uh, we worked with them. We were I worked at a studio named Steamer. We'll get into later, but they were a contract studio. So a lot of the work I did was we would get hired in situations of hey, we need more animators. Can we use your team to work on this uh, cinematic sequence and so forth? And Jesus so we Christ, worked, uh, dude, you're so you're so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? You're, you're like, so casual. Away. Like you're yeah, just, I'm blown. like blown away. And shit, uh, <laughs> but respect. um. Thanks, man. They uh, they hired us out for two, I believe, it was two cinematic sequences there. Um, but that was that was a fun experience. I didn't feel any sort of pressure there with them. Um, yeah, it might be a situation where what was being produced, people up top weren't happy, and so they're bringing in another studio to sort of take the wheel. Um, would that be Crystal Dynamics who's going to take the wheel in this case? Yep. Um, and it seemed like when they when they came in, that's when everyone started leaving. They're like, all yeah. right, screw this. So this is where the people at the previous studio might see like all the signs are there. You guys are going to start losing your jobs because they're going to take everything over. Um, and it's better to leave when you have a job than wait to be unemployed to look for work. Um, so yeah, the, the, the writing might be on the wall for them. So they're just taking the, the out that they can get. So, do you think the do you think Crystal Dynamics will take full control over this game? They will um, take it from the initiative because the initiative is a pretty new studio right now. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's a, it's a I think it was created in 2018, um, and they took a bunch of different you know minds from other studios to to create this one. But it seems like this studio is now falling apart. So I don't I don't know what they've worked on before, but what the artists are doing tells me that. That's what the artists believe, that they are no longer going to have control of this. So they need to find their way out as soon as they can before everyone's just let go. So if, like, if, if it's not been announced publicly, I, I would expect a like either formal or behind the curtain, just removal of the initiative's control of that. Oh, damn. So, so you're, you're telling me that perfect dark reboot is screwed. It's going to be bad. Uh, I actually wouldn't say that. This is where it's like, if Crystal Dynamics gets autonomy on it and they give it the love that they want to do and they have a cohesive vision on it, it can still turn out good. It's just going to be a sour taste in the mouth for the artists who were on it, knew what it was going to be and whether right. they liked what it was going to be right. and did not like what it became. Ah, uh, um, okay. I see. There's, there's plenty of questions there of what's going on in those people's minds as, as this is happening. 
Yeah. And and the thing is, we'll probably never know about any of those things, right? It's just going to no. be based off of what the developers have seen and, and yeah. experienced, right? Well, for, we can probably experience a fantastic game, right, out mm -hmm. of the box when this comes out. Yeah. But we would never know, like, the struggle besides what we know now, the struggle and the hardships that they've all dealt with just from getting from, you know, that point, you know? Yeah. What might happen is when the game does come out, um, you might get some artists who interview with those Polygon and all those articles and talk about their experience. Um and point fingers at who was responsible for this and why they feel peeved, if, if they feel peeved enough. Because sure. for a lot of these people, if this studio was just made, this could have been just a, oh, I'll pop on there, sure, it's, it's a job, I'll take it. Okay, mm -hmm. I see the writing, well, I'll just leave. I'm not feeling personally attacked or anything, it's just, I know what's about to happen. Um, so it could be nothing, it could be just people leaving because they don't want to be there anymore. Right. Yeah, and I see. I feel like too, it's just like a chain effect, right? Where you see yeah. one, one of your one of your your colleagues leaving, like that you worked with for a long time. You both worked their company for six years, eight years, and you both are like on each other's level. And yes. then you're just like, "I'm piecing out, dude. You're coming with me." You're like, "Yeah, I'm going." And then it's another person, go, it's, it's like a it's a chain it's a chain uh, chain reaction, right? And that's, yeah. that happens at, at a lot of companies. Yeah, right? I, I can speak personally to that experience where it was um, not the best experience. As soon as one one person leaves. Everyone's friends with each other. You're all in a small ass industry. You're all going to be talking to each other. And you're like, yeah, I didn't like my experience. I left and I realized I could get this experience. And like, oh, I could do that? Yeah, then I'm going to try doing that too. And if they go to another project, which more often than not, you're going to a project that's hiring up, they're also going to be looking for more people like you. And they're like, hey, yeah, I got this buddy who's at this studio right now who's probably going to be looking to leave too. Let's bring him along too. And then you, you see this just mass exodus start happening and that'll settle down because then like the people who are going to stay are going to stay um and maybe they'll get merged into this process that they have it depends on how they're splitting like who's controlling what parts of development over at crystal dynamics for this game um so how that's shared is something we probably won't know until later on yeah and i have faith in crystal dynamics to to create you know to, yeah. do, to do fine work on on yeah. perfect dark i mean tomb raider was those the reboots were fantastic so yeah. i don't see why they couldn't translate that to perfect dark yeah. Um, now, are you a Perfect Dark fan? No, I actually don't know anything about this franchise. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Kelvin? Are you are you Perfect um, Dark? It's funny. I remember buying that in New York when we used to live back in the Bronx, right? And I remember that that gift shop that we used to buy all our games at. I went there and I bought Perfect Dark. I'm like, okay. all right, this looks cool. Tried it out. 20 minutes i was like nah the thing for me so i brought it back returned it i was like nah you know what this is not for me that's good mind you i'm like 10 years old whatever whatever but it's just like yeah it just wasn't for me i don't know what it was that didn't really click for me but i just didn't vibe with it well um for me as far as this topic goes i think this happens a lot with in the gaming industry in general and, and in all sorts of industries but especially in, in the gaming industry where you have these um companies where they're starting off these projects and then a lot of bumping heads and a lot of things that kind of steer them in the wrong direction starts happening. And then a lot of chaos happens amongst themselves. Right. And then uh, corporate has to like come in and then start either taking them out, putting somebody else in. And then ju it just kind of leads to a lot of toxic, uh, toxic toxicity there. Right. Yeah. And so I think similar things happen with like Halo, for example, right. There was a lot of people that were leaving in and out with Halo infinite. Um, and that just caused a lot of like, you know, sour heads and stuff like that. But in the end, the game came out and it came out great. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to probably experience the same thing in this situation where we're going to see this game still flourish, but at the same time, have a history of, you know, this back and yeah. forth and struggle that it dealt with in the past. And you might see those scars and you might not, depending on how much they fix what was being disliked about the cause of the situation in the first place. But yeah, it and you're, and you're, 
And you're hoping that, you know, th- this doesn't necessarily lead to like people getting fired. It could probably just mean people are just being shifted around different, different parts. Uh, maybe not um, crystal dynamics, but maybe go to a different, a, a, a different developer or d- different development development team. And then you can work on something else instead of working on this project. Like yeah. that's the, that's the like best case scenario, right? Where yeah. they're just kind of moving people around instead of firing people. So it would depend on like how uh, the studio was structured um, because you could still use the artists. They would just technically be under another studio. Right. Um, right. And ideally you want one team to all be at one studio. So it would, we might see a situation where in the credits, you see one studio responsible for cinematics and animation. Um, and the other studios design set up for like, um, like AI and all that stuff in there. So it, it can be shared. It's, there might be something uncomfortable about sharing a game between two studios. It depends on how the communication is and how they're able to seamlessly bounce between them. But yeah, it could totally happen. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, that's going to be Eddie, by the way, when he buys Elden Ring, he's going to get it <laughs> no, and he's going to be a try for 20 minutes and be like, not, not putting it back to the store. <laughs> I might just let myself die against these bosses and admire the, the animation as I die. that's so funny so you actually bought the game from this like small business you popped it in and you went right back and you're like nah bro give me my money back yeah i i literally just (laughs) did it it was like 20 30 minutes tops because remember we lived like a block away two seconds away from us right so i'm like yeah this is not for me so i just came back returned and i think if i'm not mistaken i think that was the next day i went to buy medical solid and then that's when what transpired my whole Metagasar like love for it. So wow! I'm so you sure got to thank it. Perfect Dark. Like thank you, Perfect Dark. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they had not turned you off the game, then that'll be. Oh, well, that ends our news section for the day. We are going to go into in-game chat where we're going to talk to Eddie about his role in working animation. All right, Eddie. Yeah, we got a lot of questions for you, man. You ready, bro? Are you ready for this? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna fire off some questions, and we'll just like talk about it, have a conversation. Again, this is what the segment is: it's just having a conversation about your role and talking games, and that, and that's pretty much it. So, uh, first question I have for you, man, is how did you get into animation? And at what point? Was your like your aha moment that like this is what I want to do? I actually love animation, and this this is what I want. So, um, so I I always like to draw. I was always in art classes. I know DC had a program where like you can take multiple art classes and avoid other classes like language classes. So I just took every art class that Valley Central had because they let me do that. Yeah. Um, and then I knew I wanted to do something with art because I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Uh, parents' recommendations because they like the sense of stability was uh, maybe pursue architecture. And I went to, um, my sister was helping me tour colleges and went to Hispanic College of Art and Design, which is out in Georgia, mm-hmm. because my grandma lived like an hour from it. And while we were touring it, we got a tour through the animation building and I just saw an animated shark just, just swimming. I was like, wait, like, that, I can do that thing. Like, like wait, what? Yeah, I, like, I think I want to change what I'm aiming to do. Um, and then, like, looking at all these different schools and looking at New York schools, I think I just loved SCAD so much. And I'll pause there because, like, I wasn't able to afford SCAD. <laughs> I went to the Air Force, and then because of that, I went to the Air Force, I was able to afford to 
back. Um, wow, he, we're, we're talking to a vet here, right? I'm freaking... I mean, <laughs> I wasn't in vlog, so I would You know, you're a man of many talents. You wear yeah, many yeah, hats. Seriously, yeah. is a freaking Air Force. <laughs> I just Texas. wanted to get out of Orange County. I was like, no, I want to. <laughs> I feel like I hear that all the time. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, everyone wants to leave. It's very easy to get stuck there. So I was like, let yeah, me just yeah. do something else. Um, so anyway, after getting out, I was able to port uh, SCAD, did my whole four years SCAD there. Didn't feel like I was where I wanted to be skill-wise. And I did like an, an online animation product called Animation Mentor. I was like, yeah, this is this is working out. Like, I think it's got it. I, I knew I sucked. And I was like, I don't know if I could actually pursue this as a career. But once I did the online school, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, no, this is achievable. <laughs> For me, I got <laughs> And the whole time, my dad's like, oh, I'm getting a little worried. You haven't found a job yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did that. And eventually I got at Monolith Studios to work on Shadow of War. Which is a sequel to Shadow of Mordor. Oh um, shit! Really? Yeah, that was my first gig in the industry. Wow! Um, and when you got that gig, were you like unbelievably pumped? Like, what did you do? Backflips? Were you just like, uh, was that like the moment? Like, I did it! Like, I'm here! I <laughs> so I went after animation mentor. I went. I believe it was like a year and a half without a job, and the pressure is definitely there because SCAD student loans are like hovering over my back at this point, um, and so. They offered me a gig where it wasn't to be um, an animator traditionally, as people would think, where you're like animating like attacks and stuff like that. It was to like work out a system that dealt with like mocap and automating mocap to like just run through a system to read people's like mocap footage and automate it into animation and not necessarily animating it myself. So I was like, not the most thrilled about that, but I was like, I like, yeah, sure. Like I'll take a job. I need yeah. it. I'm dying yeah, right now. 100%. I'm dying. <laughs> um, but there was also the balance of like, this is a triple A studio that I got to go into and I knew shadow mortar did so well. I hadn't played it, but I knew like for the interview that I should. So like the weekend before the interview, I been shadow of Mordor and I like never played a game as much as I played that in that moment. <laughs> um, what do you think of it? I loved it. It, okay, it was, it was right. great. The problem with me was that like a lot of my gameplay history came from like playing MMOs. So it was easy mm -hmm. to just like, oh, look, Eddie just played WoW for so many years of his life with Final Fantasy Online. Right. Um, right. But then I played it. I was like, yeah, this is great. Like, I don't, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. Um, so then I got the interview and they asked me questions about it. And they got to play the game because they were quite specific to that. Um, but then I got the job and... Uh, it was an experience in and of itself, which at this point in time, I'm working with not realizing what soon to be would be critical role cast members like Liam O'Brien was a, a mocap actor in there. He did Gollum as well as some orcs, I believe. Um, Matt Mercer was an orc. Laura Bailey comes on as an elf later on. Travis Willingham comes on as one of the human. Not, like, wow, orcs. that is wild that you were working with him before yeah. this was even a thing, before Vox Machina was, was a thing. So that's that's crazy. Yeah, so like I'm dealing with like their facial mocap footage. I think I met Troy Baker and got to like rapport with him on like what I was getting for like my work, and that was cool. I was at the time he asked me like, "Is are you getting everything you need?" I'm like, "Yeah, this is great." But like, there's there's definitely things I could have asked for that could have been improved. But I was just yeah. too, too stoked to be meeting him. That was my question where I was going to say, "Did you meet any of the cast members?" So I, you kind of answered that a little yeah. bit. But can you yeah. elaborate a little bit more? So like the cast members are obviously working in, out of LA, and I was up in Seattle. That's where Monolith is. Um, and so Troy Baker flying up there was like the only time I got to meet them. The, at the time, there was a lot of talk about like, maybe we'll get you down there to like help navigate the shoots to help um, organize what's happening. Uh, 
just to be more specific on what I did, we were getting all the facial recordings and we were teaching the system to be like, oh, this is Travis's face. When he talks, he moves his mouth like this in these ways. Um, his A, E, I, O, U's look like. And so it would learn Travis's face. Um, and so there were things, it was a new system that was being developed there. Uh, so there were things that were like, we were hitting bumps like, oh, Travis grew a beard today. So now it's thinking this is a new person. So this is Travis so too. <laughs> oh, um, so there was talk about sending me down there to like meet them. And I was stoked about that, but it was slow to happening. And by the time this was starting to come more too, I was wanting to get back more into like actual animating. And the this a year, a year and six months after that was when the opportunity came up to leave them. And I was like, great, I got my like one year at AAA studio. That was fun, but not exactly what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved on over to a studio called Steamroller Studios in Florida, which I'm in Florida right now. Uh, and they were a startup studio who was just freelancing animation gigs out. And I got to do a lot of stuff there. Uh, Tomb Raider was one of the small things I did. Um, I got to work on Robot 2.0, which I don't know if you know the movie Robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, a Bollywood film where it's, it's all levels of, of absurdity happening in it. And we had a, a ton of fun working on that because it was just crazy. So, um, so Steamroll is where you got Steamroller or Steamroller? Steamroller. So Steamroller. Steam so that's yeah. where you got the bulk of like your experience, you would say. Yeah. Okay. Um, primarily on the game called Dauntless, which is like a Monster Hunter style game. Mm -hmm. I had an amazing supervisor named Josiah Messingill. And I'm still like great friends with him to this day. Like I still hang out with him. I don't work there anymore. Um, he he taught me a lot on that project. And Dauntless is a game that's owned by Phoenix Labs. But we were, because I guess the relationship with Seymour and, and Phoenix Labs when they met early on, the relationship was that Seymour would be Phoenix Labs animation house. We would do all their like creature animation. And I think we got into emotes eventually. But it was very like creative driven, which was awesome. We got to pitch our own ideas for what would happen. There's even like a shot that like, I got done seeing, I think it was the first uh, Avengers uh, Infinity War. And like when Thor arrives and he slams his axe on the ground, I'm like, I want to do that for like an attack. Can I do something like that? <laughs> and like, they let us do that. Oh, something like that came out, but it wasn't exactly, it had to evolve because these are creatures and it's not Thor and Sun. Right, right. So um, it just, it, it sounds like for, in a job, like, we were talking about the the perfect dark, yeah. right? It's like people leave because they don't get that that creative yes. freedom. And you're you're telling me right now, like you love that job because it gave you the creative freedom to do like stuff like that. We're like, oh, what about this? So that's exactly. just funny that like it, it's tying into this conversation that we we're just talking about before. Yeah, I, I mean, like I got paid more at Monolith than I got paid at Seamoller. I went from a AAA studio to a startup studio. I took a pay cut to do that because I wanted to do what I wanted to do more. Right. And so, like, you'll see stories like at Blizzard where, like, some big head leaves or whatever. People are like, oh, sinking ship. That's not necessarily the case. Like, if someone's there for a long time, they could have just been like, all right, like, I want to do something for me now. They might have level right. capped. They might have yeah, level capped exactly. at that place. And yeah. they're like, you know what? Like, I, it's not that I don't I, like this place. It's just monotonous for me. And there's nothing left yeah. for me to learn. So exactly. let me go somewhere else where I can, like, I can yeah. go into, you know. The next, the next stage, right? I've that, done all I can for this yeah. studio. Now it's time to do something for myself or yeah. or give my talents to somebody else. Yeah. Or like you'll reach a situation where you're like, oh, I always dreamed of working at this one studio like Blizzard and you'll get there and you like did it. Cool. I did it. Now I want to, like now I'm what? realizing as an artist, what like makes me happy? What do I want to pursue? Right. right. And so my move to Steamroller was that. Like, I, 
I don't think I want to do this at Monolith. Great. Like I, I love that. Like I got to be a part of this and work on a Lord of the Rings franchise, which is awesome. And then I moved over to Steamroller and like now I get to work on my animation skills and level that up. That's what I want to work on. Um, and it's still happening to this day. Like I'm working at Titmouse and I'm doing these awesome shots, doing like creatures and big CG things on like Legends of Vox Machina. But I'm also like taking classes now working on my human animation and bypass because I feel like I want to improve on that. You, you have like a balance of like, what does your, um, what do you want to do with your career and what do you want to do as an artist? And there's just this constant like rebalancing that's going to happen back and forth there. Um, so yeah. Now, awesome. Rob, um, real quick. So I, I want to get into the nitty gritty of like the technical director part. Like you, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're considered a technical director, right? Yeah. And this is at Titmouse. Is that correct? That's correct. <laughs> What is that? Like what? First of all, first of all, what, yeah, first of all the name of your of your company is yeah. is interesting. Hey mom and dad, I got this new job at the studio called this. I was typing that what? name out on the doc, on the dock here and I was just like yeah. mouse. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's 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 new. That's that's yeah. interesting. So like first of all, talk about as much as you can. Talk about the the company that you work with and you did a little bit, but mostly your your role what what does a technical director essentially do um so i think it got labeled the way it did because of the nature of like 2d show pipelines i believe because there's like looking at the whole um animation guild and stuff this is this is named this for this for 2d shows typically but from a 3d perspective and this is why like my linkedin will say something different i'm more of a cg director where i'm overseeing the cg assets that come in and how they're managed and what they're needed for and how this can talk to 2D, um, which I don't necessarily know. I need a 2D guide and we'll talk to each other like, well, I need to be, work like this and you need to work like that. So we'll just create it like this. And that's what's happened. Like neither of us knew how to work with the other until we talked to each other and mm. we managed it. So um, I was freelancing them at first just doing animation and they realized that as you, those who watch the show at the end of the season, there are CG dragons and they knew that there were going to be CG assets to that degree. Mm -hmm. And if you're familiar with the critical franchise, those dragons play a big role for quite a while. Yeah. So they knew this couldn't just be a freelance thing. Like we needed someone who could give all their attention to this and just manage it. Because at the time our art director, uh, Arthur Loftus was managing that and his 2d team, which was a lot for him and seeing what he does now. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how you were balancing this because I'm balancing this by myself and it's a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just came in and they already had the, there was an artist who was freelancing for them that was doing their modeling and I knew him from college and I came on and just being able to work with him and everyone else was his friends. It was, it became a nice little knit of CG people who were freelancing. And so talking to them has become easy. It's, it's just friends talking to friends at this point. Um, we make our ask when we, when we need them and. We work with their freelance schedule and they can do it and deliver it for us. But it'll range anywhere from like modeling a box to uh, doing a full character. I know like on Twitter, like we did CG assets of the main cast just to help with like scene prep with how it'll look and how where they'll be positioned and stuff. Um, so it, it's, it's ranged to a lot of things from modeling assets to animating things to just doing previs work with cameras. Uh, it's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's kind it of a sounds, it freaking sounds like a lot. Like, yeah. Um. Now, being a technical director, mm -hmm. right? What 
what's the hardest thing about your role or what's, what's the most challenging thing about the, about the role? Honestly, it's uh, speaking to the departments that I'm not most experienced with. So as you heard, I have a full history of animation in my career and they're like, Hey, now come talk to everything else. What I depended on there was what I knew out of college because I knew starter introduction to all these other departments like texturing, rigging, and modeling. Um, I don't know how to do those things. So the hardest part is relying on the freelancers and learning from them to be able to speak to it as much as I can and advocate for them as much as I can when they can't talk about it. Um, and a lot of it is just being able to just admit, I don't know how to do this. I need to go talk to them. I need time to go talk to them, figure out, deviate a plan of how we can approach this. And we'll do meetings and we'll have our art director there and our supervising director, uh, Sungjin, um, to just discuss what 2D needs and the 3D freelancers will say what they need. And then I'll just mediate the conversation of like, here's what we can do and here's the middle ground we can hit for this. So definitely speaking to departments I don't know how to do is the hardest part. I think that's awesome that you, you're able to see from from inside view where you're communicating in all aspects in all different departments right so you're able to build that groundwork and say okay i need help with this i don't know how to do this you have this um set of skills that i need let's help each other out to help you know make this project come alive basically right and i think that's really cool because i don't know if a lot of people see that from the outside right a lot of people that watch the show or play games they just see what's in, in front of them, right? They don't yeah. know the difficulties that's kind of uh, developers and animators all had to go through to get to this point, right? Yeah. And you telling us all these things and all these uh, different type of communication skills and different type of like meetings that you have to go to that really shows how much goes into building, you know, a game or a, a show or anything, a project in general, you know? Yeah. I mean, the main, the most obvious thing about the show is it's a 2D show. So the question will come up like, why are the dragons CG? Like, why weren't they just 2D too? Um, and then that raises to like, people will learn. I think they did a good job during the live watches, um, that they did like on Tuesdays during the airing of the show. Um, but like drawing a dragon with as much detail as these guys have over and over again, there is going to be inconsistency. It's going to be too difficult. The pace at which TV moves is just too hard. Mm -hmm. Whereas with CG, it's very front loaded. We, we made the CG assets in the beginning. And then for the rest of the season, we have them. We don't need to worry about redrawing them, making sure they're on the model, making sure the colors are matching or anything like that. They just exist. So that's the benefit of having that. It's really expensive in the beginning, but it will save lives Result. of artists who are drawing yeah. <laughs> every <laughs> single frame of this dragon over and over again. Uh, so for those of you uh, drawing or uh, animating a dragon is a pain in the ass. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, animating creatures, whether 2D or 3D, is just hard in general. Um, the, the benefit I had with animating these dragons is like, we freelanced artists who I worked creatures with on Dauntless. Like I was just like, Hey guys, I need your help. I've already led you before. I know you're going to be easy to work with. Let's do this. Um, and some of them being uh, critters themselves helped out because they were willing to work their job and freelance because they love the show. Um, a lot of them, it was just fun to just reunite and just work together. Uh, but yeah, creatures are hard, whether 2d or 3d and you tend to just, lean on who you know can do it well and in time to just get it done i noticed there were some other like not just dragons right like i yeah. think like episode five or six there was um a part where and obviously there's no spoilers in, in this yeah. episode but uh there was a part where they were using a uh a wagon right yeah. of some sort and that was also um animated cg 
yeah vehicles um, so are another vehicles thing. are also um animated as well yeah because if it's like a from solid object it's going to be moving around you're getting multiple perspectives of it um it could be easier to see that i know that there were horses in it i guess i should yeah. say from my experience at the beginning when i was freelancing for season one um i was doing like there was a there were wolves and then there was like an alpha wolf who opens his mouth yeah and I remember that. he rips in half and yeah that was so sick that, that was, like, really that cool. was yeah. like i was like oh my goodness it was so gnarly how they did that but they were realizing like we have this two-legged dog how are we going to make this like run and they were at the time they're using an overseas studio who does a lot of 2d animation mm -hmm. um they were worried for them having to figure that out and so i got hired on purely in the beginning when they told me i'd be working on critical role. I'm like, cool and they're like okay you're gonna be animating a zombie dog who walks with his tongue not exactly what I thought Critical Role would be, too. Um, but, but I like, got to as like a watcher, you don't think of that, right? You don't even no. think of like the, the the work that goes behind it. Like you just you're yeah. just watching. You're just like it's just happening, right? But yeah. Like, you'd be like, how the fuck am I going to make that? Like how yeah. how? <laughs> and, and also some pretext of that. Like I've never animated that before, so I had to figure that out too. Where can I find a two-legged dog? You can add that, that to the resume, at least. <laughs> yeah. um, so I freelanced that, and they liked working with me. So then they're like, all right, well, now we need to do an army, which also, by the way, is really hard to do in 2D because every single character is a character that's drawn, whereas in CG, we can copy-paste. <laughs> so like, we just came up with a bunch of skeleton-like cycles that looped, um, play with making varying cycles and then mirror them to make like double the number of cycles you get and then pepper them around in the scene. That way you don't have to worry about 2D animating every single one. We literally just copy paste animations, get different angles on it. So it just saves money. Armies, large creatures, uh, vehicles that are just like solid and seen from multiple angles, all are things that are just money saved if you do it in CG. I, uh, I remember seeing these. I don't know what to call them. I don't remember the name of the creature, but they were like the the, the dementor looking things, or like these demons uh, that like they 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 didn't like had, the fire. Yeah, they yeah, had yeah. Blood coming yeah. Down their those face were that. sick. Those, those that, really cool. Yeah. So, did you really animate cool. those? No, that's all two D. That's great that's work all, by them. They, they that, that's all two. That was all two D. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's actually a case where there's a lot of detail in them that would kill animators but they were willing to work really hard to get those guys to look right. It started off 2D and they just kept pushing and pushing because it, it needed to look gnarly enough to sell the feeling they were going for. And I think they achieved it. Oh, yeah, 100%. no, they, they were fantastic. I thought those yeah. were some of the coolest bad guys in the show. In yeah, the for show. sure. So. Yeah, they're gnarly. So now we're going to kind of shift here. We're going to mm -hmm. shift into, we're, we're going to talk about um, Vox Machina in a second, mm -hmm. but as far as like working on animation or working on video games versus watching working on an animated series, mm -hmm. what are the main, the biggest differences there? Like what's like, what are the challenges? Like which one's easier than the other? I guess I would say. I think that hmm, it, it depends. So like there, there's cinematic animating and there's uh, video game animating and, Video game animating, everything needs to look good from every angle. There's no no faking anything that you can cheat from like camera perspective. So when you're like looking at this animation, you're play blasting, which is like our way of getting video footage of our animation. You're play blasting it from like every angle, left, right, three quarter, top, um, back. Uh, everything needs to look good and real. And then when you come to creatures, like making sure you maintain the balance from all those angles, 
is in itself a task and you really need to learn how to like deal with anatomy properly. Um, when it comes to uh, cinematic stuff where it's like something from a camera angle, you can cheat a lot as long as it looks good from there. Uh, and so we then split where it's like, then there's TV cinematic and then there's film. Like film animating, is gonna, you're gonna get a lot of time to make sure that looks good and that camera is gonna look amazing. When it comes to TV, you gotta look fast. You're, it, that's the hardest part about this show is the pace that I've had to animate CG. Um, and also like I have a bar, a quality bar that I wanna hit for these creatures because I don't want the CG to look like CG does in every 2D show where it's like, eh. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's um, passable. Yeah. 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 So I want to make sure that nobody's like getting taken out of it for that moment. And right. I wasn't in this role for a lot of season one, but I was for season two. And so that's what coming in, that's the thing I wanted to hit. But the benefit of the, again, going back to the camera is you can play with how perspective works with the camera. We are able to achieve things. There are going to be things where, like, you see like moving camera shots when, in reality, it's it's just staying still, like, and everything else is moving in the background to make it look like it's it's mm. moving in space. But if we were doing video games, it needs to fly over. It needs to travel. It needs like, to actually move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we need to make sure it looks good from every angle while it's traveling. But and the other benefit is, at least with this, sh- this show, we had amazing board artists, which is like where you get like animatics of 2D drawing of what needs to happen before it actually gets animated. And so that lays out like a great roadmap for us to just follow the idea. Whereas with games, it's like from scratch. We know he needs to do an attack. Give us an attack that accomplishes this. And so you're kind of just figuring it out as you go and you'll shoot reference of yourself acting like a creature. Like, will this work? (laughs) And they're like, well, we need him to arrive at this space by this time. You're like, well, I can't. I can't do this attack by there. Maybe I need to figure out something else. And so there's much more discovery happening in games than I think there were on the show. We knew what we wanted to achieve on the show. We knew what the shots were asking for, what they needed to accomplish. So it was much more straightforward. Um, and so I like working on shows more. The, the pace of it is really hard, but I think it only made me a better animator because of it. And how long did it take you to complete your like your task? Uh, so uh, at least... Everyone knows season two is in development because it was uh, paid for by Amazon when season one was announced as well. Um, w- the pace that I'm supposed to move at is three shots a week, which is um, a lot considering I think in games, one shot, I would get like two to three weeks to work on. So yeah, yeah I'm working at what's that nine times the pace <laughs> oh my uh, for TV. Um, which I, I took my knowledge from games and like learning how to animate cycles to help save time in this where like, okay, like we knew that worked, let's just copy paste it and just use it to build from there. It'll be a nice like starting point and then go from there. But yeah, the, the pace that we try to move is like three shots a week for these, which I, from what I've been told overseas, technically it's a lot faster than that. So I'm still getting like a good amount of time for what TV is expected to do. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you don't have to like go into specific detail about this process because I know it, it's, there's a lot of moving parts, but mm-hmm. how does Titmouse, Critical Role, uh, Amazon Studios, and product or Production Rev all come together? Like, Can you explain that process to me as far as like, okay, well, we have the voice actors, we have the animators, we have um, Amazon Studios. How do the, what does the handoff look like? And can, can you, can you st- uh, walk me through that process? Yeah, I think I can, I can talk more to what happens like on the art side. 
I know that there's things that happen in terms of like um, voice recording and stuff that I don't I don't have vision on to know or like Amazon approval and stuff like that. But um, I know what typically happens is the I believe the main people that they meet with are like they'll meet with Travis, uh, Sam, uh, Brendan, uh, Brandon, uh, who it, they're like the we call them the BTS, the prep, uh, Brandon, Travis, Sam. But it's, <laughs> um, we'll meet with them and uh, Sanjul will meet with them and take the board artists and they'll figure out, well, I think writing comes in first and they'll figure out the script that generally should happen. And then the board artists come in and that's where I enter the picture. Um, but the board artists will illustrate what they imagine is happening there with what kind of camera angle should be happening. Um, and they'll get what is a, essentially an animatic, they call it boards, but an animatic is like a playthrough of all the boards just timed out. Um, and then like voice recording will get put on top of that. And sometimes there'll be like temp sound where you'll hear like Sam pretending to be a character that he's not for a time period, <laughs> which is funny when you're hearing it. Um, but yeah, so that, that animatic will exist and the sound will have, will exist over it with like the dialogue that needs to be there. And then 3D comes in at that point. We kind of split where that gets handed off to all different departments. Mm -hmm. And so for, for 3D, we'll just take a list of like, all right, what things in here are expected to be 3D? How many shots are they in? Let's take a count. How many artists do we need for that? Um, are the CG assets made already? Do we need to start from scratch? And then that's where it's like, if we use the example of, oh, like we need this box that can eat people. Um, we need to model the box. We need to uh, texture it and make it look like it has color and all the strappings to make it match the show's style. And then we'll get a rigger who will like put a skeleton into uh, the model and then the animators come in and they'll animate it. Um, so that's a really slimmed down version. Yeah, of you can, we can go on for hours about the actual yeah. process itself. But yeah, just, just a kind of like a, a SparkNotes version of... Uh, is SparkNotes still a thing? Is that, is that it? You know what? I think so. I think... Yeah, because uh, <laughs> I was in a meeting yesterday, and one of the uh, one of the there was like a, a lady that was talking. I think she was a nurse, and she mentioned SparkNotes, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I use SparkNotes." I'm like, "Huh, didn't know that was a thing. I forgot that was still still a thing." So yeah, um, yeah, and I just want to point out, like throughout this this podcast, I've seen Kelvin's head explode, like inside, like you have <laughs> just like idea, just dude. I just see it, just like. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I show it with my facial expression. I'm just like, holy shit, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Everything you're telling me is just like, it, it's just so much great information. So I, I love it. But. Yeah, man, there's a lot. But um, yeah, so going back to once the CGS is made, then we like animate the shots. And so using the boards as like a guide of what needs to happen, um, what lines need to be said by what like CG things, if there are CG things talking. Um, and the animators will go at it. I'll, I'll grab my guys and we'll go, okay, we'll do bids. How long are these shots going to take? How long do we need? Well, the episode needs to be done by this time. All right, how much can we slim that down? How much time are we allotting people to do this? Or do we just add more animators to help compensate for how much needs to be done? Um, and that's the CG side of things. There's a whole department for like painting backgrounds, painting a, uh, character design team for drawing a character for every single character that shows up even if they're only there for one moment <laughs> which is like crazy the amount of time like you can you can math out like this artist it costs this artist this much time to make this one character that's there for five seconds and you're like jesus christ 
Jeez. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like people don't realize how much is involved when it comes to animated series and like anime. There's yeah. just so much happening at mm-hmm. like quick times and it's it's way different than actual like you know real life film and stuff like that. Because yeah. that's just that's that's I don't want to say it's easier, but it it is easier, right? In a sense, because like the, the thing's there. Like it's it's there and I can do this thing because it's it's functional role where it's like, no, I it's not they can do it, but I have to make it do it. Yeah. Right. Like I have yeah. to actually, you know, put give it to life. And that that's extr- like what's what you're doing. You're you're essentially taking this 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 drawing and you're bringing it to life and that is yeah. <laughs> i i can't it's even not an easy task yeah. for sure no, i mean like you, like you were mentioning robin i know they they weren't animated but the skeletons right that had the, the bleeding faces and all that like though regardless of if they were if they were animated or not oh, those 2D, took, animated. 2d animated yeah, yeah those took a lot of time and effort and you can yeah. show and you can tell like the the way they move the the the, the even the facial expression that they were showing like when they were like screaming at you and those mm-hmm. are they take a long time and it it pays off though in the end because those, those scenes like that are like one of the highlights of the show right yeah every time you get a moment where the characters aren't just standing still talking to each other like that time and money is going into that like even the talking and saying still i don't want to sell it that's obviously taking so much time but like the amount of work that people do in such a short amount of time, I don't think people realize that like more, you guys will watch this show in like a month or something like that, but years are being put into this just so you can have that. And so like, there's kind of a, you will watch an episode and be like, that was amazing. I can't wait to get the next one. But we're looking at that going, look at yes. all of this we created. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. And, we, and that goes back to games as well, right? We talked yeah. about um, we talked about Project uh, Perfect Dark, right? Where mm-hmm. they're going through turmoil right now, right? And all the stuff that we don't know behind the scenes. But when that game comes out, and if it turns out to be a really fantastic game, like those people that worked on that game, spent hours mm-hmm. days years just working on this game yeah. we beat the game in like 12 hours through 14 hours I'm like all right cool what's next right mm-hmm. but like think of elden ring for example right like all the little small details that we just kind of blow past and we don't even think about mm-hmm. someone was literally there for hours days yeah. possibly months just working on that small detail yeah. you know sometimes we just blow past it sometimes yeah. we acknowledge it but we don't really take or give him enough credit for it, you know. What right, I mean? like Eddie's playing a game and he's seeing like an anime, like just like a like a like yeah. a bunny moving around. It's just like that <laughs> took two hours to make that motherfucker. The yeah. ears, fuck those ears, because yeah. <laughs> I, I would say like I think it's things like um, was it Breath of the Wild, like how their like grass looks. Yeah. Like, yep. No one's stopping to go like, oh, look at this grass enough to to for the guy who did that to be like, I worked so hard. Well, to, uh, to be fair, Elden Ring has some nice grass, at least when it's blowing, like when you see the wind blowing. Yeah, I'm blowing. like, damn, this shit is fucking nice. Like, I, I like salute to you guys, but like that was nice. But like little things, like I see a fucking rabbit run around past mm-hmm. me or a deer. I'm just like, fuck you, deer. Like get out of my way. Or, like just stab <laughs> it and just run away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think about like the animation that it took or the time that it took for that animation to actually like just. Yeah. go across you know across the field or whatever mm. there were um animations on dauntless where it's like what the creatures are doing when you're not engaged with them and like we'll put so much time into putting this life and personality in them but like you don't see it and if you do see it it's when you're really far away from them and as right, soon as you get right. close to it, like engage and then yeah you're like i worked so hard on something that no one's getting a chance to look at but it's like little details like yeah but but some people will notice that they'll be like wow that's actually really and 
reviewers, like really good reviewers, will mm. pay attention to those small details and put in the review. Like little things yeah. like that add right. to the, the experience. I yeah. think I saw a video this past week of uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, yeah. And there was a guy, he was just like on his horse, like just walking. And you see in the distance, there's this hawk that goes around and just gets a fish from the pond and flies away. And it, you don't get anything yeah. from that. Yeah. Like that, that was nothing, but it was such a cool detail. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. But like how much time went into that animating that freaking hawk grabbing that thing at that time? You that, know, uh, maybe 10% of people, if that would see that, you know what I mean? And this is where like, I could gush hours about Red Dead and their willingness to slow down the player just to let the animation breathe. Yes. But in, in terms of those things, it's like a thousand paper cuts of a lot of good little things will just, it'll just feel, you'll, you'll be able to breathe it. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Sure. So on to, to Vox Machina. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're allowed to say who's your favorite character, but who's your favorite character on the show? Oh, I'm definitely, I have a bias. And I started this this Twitter conversation where I think uh, the dragons are nothing but sweet baby angels, and they are about to do nothing <laughs> wrong. Sweet baby angels, look good. They have points to what they what they feel. Did you I watch feel- the first episode? I don't know, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, no, he I, didn't watch the episodes. He doesn't watch. <laughs> I, I think that it's gonna. I think that uh, you know people just need to hear them out. But okay. um, that's right. that comes from my point of like I hearing they they were talking about the dragons were coming and that's what really sold me to coming on the project because the only thing i've ever wanted to animate was dragons mm-hmm. and so like i was like yeah i'm on so easily like i love them but if we're talking about the cast i think that they made there's a tie between um pike and keyleth mm-hmm. i think that uh, the live stream was a live stream just like people fucking around uh but i think ashley wasn't around a lot and they did her character so much justice uh, by covering what was happening when she wasn't with the group right. and adding like a really like good meaning as to what's happening, like uh, her whole like, conflict with the Everlight. And, right. and it drove her to leave uh, her overcoming that or uh, advancement on that conflict allowed her to come and Astro projected, which was just like, uh, sure, Ashley can play this this day and she's in New York. Yeah, let's just astral project it and sure, let's do that. Now there's like a, a reason for that. And then she's just a fucking badass just sliding oh down God. on a shield. Oh and, yeah. Like, a guy. Like, that, that part, I was just like, oh my goodness. Just so it, it, it's part of the reason why Pike wasn't involved in this show as much was because of um, Ashley's schedule. Is that, yeah. or was that intended to begin with? Well, no, Ashley's schedule would, she was doing work in New York to film, um, I think it's a show called Blind Spot. Um, and so she would just, okay, I got to go back to New York and I'll be back another time, I guess, in gaps within shoots. Um, so she couldn't be there sometimes and sometimes she could. And so now that they're writing as to why Pike wasn't there makes it um, like loyal to the show, but also providing a, like, a nice reason as to why she wasn't there mm-hmm. uh, that works with it. And, it, uh, that, and I really as a like viewer, you have that. no idea. You have no idea that, yeah, that was, no. what that was going on. No, so. yeah. And then I, with Keyleth, she's a fucking badass too. Like, yeah, she is. And I think, they, I think she's one of uh, the most humanizing characters as like, I don't know if it's maybe more to me being unsure of yourself 
and like getting people to believe in you eventually mm-hmm. is like that that's awesome that they did that for her. That was that's great. Yeah, both those characters feel like to me that they, they have this deeper power that they don't know that they have mm-hmm. right and it takes them throughout the episodes or throughout the story for them to realize like i have i offer more to this to this team than what i i than what meets the eye or than yeah. what i believed you know what yeah. i mean yeah. um especially with caliph right caliph caliph yeah. and so um that was probably my that's why i like her a lot as a character because mm-hmm. she in the beginning when you first meet her she's very like not unsure of her of herself she's not mm-hmm. sure if she can like really uh support her team right but then yeah. towards the end you start seeing like her flourish right you start yeah. seeing her actually like become who she is you know so yeah. i did like her as a character for me though i think it, it's a tie I do like Pike. I think Pike was awesome. Yeah. And especially I love Ashley because uh, I just like her previous roles in, in games like The Last of Us and stuff yeah. like that. But I really did like Percy as a character because he's just... Really? Okay. Yeah. I think his background and his backstory, especially I think in uh, episode six, um, where you start seeing like what happened in his past, mm-hmm. right? That made me understand him more as a character and his character development like spiked up for me way higher especially knowing like something in his past is still um i don't want to spoil it but something is still there for him in his past right right. and so i i was like okay that that turned that that took a twist for me that i didn't expect and also his inner demons i guess you want to say Mm -hmm. right where he's very um he has like that um persona i guess you want to call it where he kind of turns into this, this dark um puts the mask on yeah right, he puts right, the right. mask on and stuff and then that, that it just it just adds a layer to his to his uh, character that i really enjoyed yeah first he was great and i'm glad that they were able to do such justice to his like conflict too with the, you don't get a lot of his um fight with his inner demons in the live stream quite as well because it's right. the game and you're just talking about it but when they visually showed him with that conflict that was awesome well, here's the thing about like Dungeons and Dragons, right? And I, I, I don't think we've played together, Eddie. Had have, have were you no, in our campaign? Not. No, you went in the campaign after I did. Yeah, you were in the campaign after our campaign. Um, but like you, you know, you you go through the time and you're putting through your character's backstory, right? Yeah. And you're hoping that the dungeon master will like touch upon that that backstory at one point. Like when they, when at that moment you're like, yes, let's go. Oh, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Um. So I feel like a lot of the times it either takes too long to get to that point or it does they don't touch it at all. So it feels like you do that backstory for nothing and it, and it takes out the engagement. Yeah. I love what they did with this show because they actually dive deep into these characters' backstories. Obviously, yeah. we, we, don't, we don't know much about the other characters right now, but I'm mm-hmm. sure they're going to touch upon those in, in the next uh, next you know the next season and stuff like that. But That's I love awesome. that they went deep into to Percy's backstory. That was fantastic. Yeah, everyone gets their due, and it's 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 cool to be able to uh, experience it in a way that's different than what we already did, which is I think something that Sam said he was excited about. Like, let's we've already told that story. Let's let's tell it a little bit differently this time. Um, so yeah, let's start. I'm mad you guys didn't say Scallon. I love really Scallon. So I. <laughs> because every Scallon or Grog is it's so hard to not say them right. It's just every time they're on screen, you, you have a oh, smile. Oh, yeah, you have to laugh. You have yeah. to laugh no matter what. So yeah. I think that that is just 
<laughs> you can't beat that you know like you're uh, if he's on screen like he's gonna say something dumb and or ridiculous and he, yeah, he delivers yeah. every single time mm-hmm. yeah like, he's another it, fantastic uh character in this the opening credits made him also look badass like on that oh, hand and stuff. oh jesus christ man yeah. you guys made gnomes look so cool they dude they, i was i was watching an episode uh i think it was, i don't know what episode i was watching but I was watching this episode and my son just casually oh, no. comes in. Oh, no. I know it's bad. Oh, it's no. bad. <laughs> my son just casually walks in and he's like, Oh, what's that? So he starts looking and he starts watching. I'm like, Oh, you know, there's just fighting and stuff, whatever. And he, there's a part where he goes back into like, he's talking about like one of his, like one of the baddest, badass moments that he's had. He's fought like a, some, like a enemy or something. Oh it was, yeah. It was not the appropriate time for that. I hit that turn off button so quick, dude. <laughs> it was bad. I was like, I'm such a terrible Dad, what, what is he doing? What is he doing? <laughs> What's that? What's that? I was like, don't worry about it, son. When do I get one of those? <laughs> keep keep watching Blippley, please. Just keep watching Blippley. I have uh I have family members who are who want to be supportive and they hear I'm working this project and it's 2D animated. And they go, oh, yeah, it's a cartoon. Like, we should totally watch this with the kids. Wow. And the number of them, like, in this one thread on, like, Facebook talking about how, oh, yeah, I thought this was for kids. And I had to turn off that power button so quickly. Yeah. yeah. Just the first episode, too. It's just like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, it, that, it sets the tone. Yeah, it sets you the tone real quick. Expect. Yeah. yeah. Jump. But Me I my, loved it. It's great. It's great. Me and my girlfriend were watching it, and it was at that bar scene. And then, like, all that's happened. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. all right. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing about Grog, though, is his character model reminds me so much of Kratos from God of War. It's like so crazy. And like, he's just a big, strong dude. And yeah. when he's like nice and he's like very, like, you know, you know, he's very lovable and stuff, I'm like, it's it's almost disorienting to me. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I was like, that's that's crazy. This is Chris if he was nice. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if he was a big teddy yeah, bear. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Grab Grab is a favorite for me too. I think there was um, an advantage, and I think they brought this up into the show a bit. But there were moments where Travis forgets that his character's dumb, and he says something <laughs> like smart, and then they all go, "What's that, Grog?" And then he says, he goes, what? <laughs> they brought that in the show, I think, one or two times. I have to look out for it. That, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Speaking of little things um, that were brought up in the show, did you? I mean, I'm sure you knew, but like logic was in yeah. the show. Yeah. That, uh, like first episode or second episode? I don't remember which one he was in. I my he was a with palace him, guard, right? I think right. Oh, it must have been like the second episode. I think. Yeah. But like I heard, I saw the cast list before I saw what they were doing. I was like, we are stacked. <laughs> like, we are set. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't come out for season two yet, but the cast is for season two. I was just like, how did, how, what, what? Yeah. Dad, I need to tell you all these people that are working on the show that I'm working on. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I, I don't, I guess it's just like a hat tip to the cast and crew yeah. like, and the people that they're friends with. It's awesome that they got them. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, Critical Role, those guys over there, they made Dungeons and Dragons cool. Right, like yeah. that—that's what it is. Like before, you would hear Dungeons and Dragons, you'd be like, "Yeah, there's a, oh, nerd stigma on it." Right. Whereas, like now, you hear everyone be like, "I want to try Dungeons and Dragons," and I'm like, "Do you want to though? It's it's pretty involved, you know." Yeah. But yeah. Kelvin, I don't think I would ever go past that because I, I, I'm not a, a Dungeons and Dragons guy. But the I think what really makes me enjoy these casts, these, these characters, is the adaptations that they do with shows like this yeah. right 
um, we talk about League of Legends a lot, right, Rob? And yeah. how I've never never really been a fan of League of Legends, but then when I watched um, Arcane, that grabbed me so fast. Like yeah. I'm like, wow, this show is phenomenal, yeah. and it even made me to the point where I bought um, uh, the RPG game. I forget the name of it. God, Rob, what is it Rune called? Uh, uh, Rune King. Yeah, yeah. Rune King. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, like, but that's what they do. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that this did the same thing for me, where I'm like, not a huge Dungeons and Dragons guy, but like the characters, the cast. Yeah. Everything about this show, it, it really speaks to me for sure. But that's the entry point for you, right? So it now is. that you watch the show, you might go watch Critical Role stuff on right. YouTube. Right. right? And, I might, and, I, and I may not. Do it exactly. Do one shot. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I may not. But the, the point is that they, they, they've opened my mind. They opened yeah. my, my, my eyes to something like this, you know, and, and, it, and it could very well open someone else's eyes and be like, you know what? Let me try this game out and see how it is. And not to go like too full circle, but I think that's a little bit of what's happened with Elden Ring. Whereas, like, the more these people are trying it and the more they're exploring it, people are going, maybe maybe I would like that. And just mm-hmm. opening that door is constantly open door, open door, open door. And next thing you know, you're at however many uh, buy or sales that Elden Ring was at. Right, right. Yeah. But again, not to not to circle back, but it, the ring, Elden Ring. Oh my god! <laughs> so, Eddie. Anyways, um, I so not to go into too much detail. Obviously, you can't talk, talk about everything here. But what you you know you know the cast for season two already. You know somewhat of what to expect. Can you tell us anything as far as what? us what are we able to expect for season two obviously bigger better like what what can we more as fans expect? yeah i think like yeah there was um this kept happening with season one where they're like oh travis kept posting like the episodes are up like yeah it keeps getting better it keeps getting better like by the end he's like i never lied like it was it keeps getting better i i think that still applies um i i on the art side we're like we have to do what there okay. <laughs> we go. That's, we got our answer. We, we yeah. got our answer right there. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's. I, I think it's that. It's just going to keep going like that. Um, um, we need yeah. you to do half of a dragon. Um, you know, yeah. and, he's and he walks with his head. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot reference and try to figure out how to do that too. Yeah, I'll find a dragon real quick. Oh, well, that's I'll my resume. Yeah that's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, guys, um, I think that concludes our our episode here. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And hey, man, could you- a long time coming. And again, thank you so much for coming in and just giving your expertise, your knowledge to to everybody, and just kind of sharing what it is to be uh, an animator and, and just kind of seeing uh, what your life kind of entails on a day to day basis. You know? Yeah, just all that, and then throw a two a three-year-old in there and yeah yeah all right <laughs> smooth sailing <laughs> before we leave though um real quick last question for us here mm-hmm. uh, what can you what advice can you give anybody if they're trying to uh pursue this the same career the same um like in, in, anything into animation what can you give them as far as advice goes um i think it's it's a bit of a a two-piece of advice um it's going to be a bit of like know yourself enough to know your flaws and like your failings and be aware of them because when you pursue art it's going to get hard and you need to know your flaws and have them in check maybe come to terms with them maybe accept that like i might not be an animator who will get to pixar but is that necessarily bad no like maybe i just want to enjoy what i'm doing and that's okay too so uh know yourself and um 
I would say fight for what you want. Uh, it's a competitive field. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't mean go punch anybody, <laughs> but I went a year without work. Um, technically, if you count when I graduated college, I went three years after college without work. And I knew my work wasn't good enough. So I kept working at it. I kept taking classes. When money ran out after the online school, I kept working at it. Just fight. You got to keep fighting because there are plenty of people who are fighting more than you are and they're getting to work. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Wow. I feel inspired. I'm going to go. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Sorry, Kel, but uh, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to go pursue yeah, being an animator and, you know, take out, right. you know, yeah, student you, loans and, and then go in the uh, Air Force. So, yeah, yeah that's the plan. That's can work. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for, for listening to this. If you guys want to be a guest on the show, please just send us a DM. We, we have our website out right now, gamingdoapod.com. Just send us send us a message, and we'll get you on here. We like just talk to talk games. Eddie, same thing goes for you. If you ever want to be a guest again on this show, just to talk about games, just hit us up. Just you know? come right in. Yeah, we we just shoot the shit here. That's Let's all do we it. do. All right, um, guys, thank you so much, Eddie. Thank you again for for being on, and uh, definitely excited for for the, what's to come next uh, out of the show. So, Kelv, I'll catch you next week. All right, guys. See ya. See ya. Bye.